Hey, it's me. How are you, friend? Always good to have you listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. I am glad you're here. If you want to support the mission of the Paul Leslie Hour, which is to get more than 16 years of interviews out there into the world, all the while doing new interviews with fascinating people, just go to patreon.com slash the Paul Leslie Hour. This interview is with Frankie Keene. I'm going to tell you about her in just a moment. But I think that seeing a theatrical or musical performance is a shared experience. As Jacques said in Shakespeare's As You Like It, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. We all experience the same things in general, a birth and a passing, a beginning and an end, or maybe it doesn't really end after all. Hereafter, is a musical that brings to the stage an exploration of what happens after that inevitable final curtain call. So, Frankie Keene. In the Big Apple, along comes an artist named Frankie Keene. Within her, an intense desire to sing, write songs, and act. Where else could you go but the city that never sleeps? Eventually, she met Vinnie Favalli, whom she helped in the creative process of writing the musical Hereafter. In addition to being a part of the creative team, Frankie Keene was a cast member playing the role of Anita. Hereafter has also been made into a movie, which you're invited to stay tuned to this show for future developments on. In this interview with Frankie Keene, we encounter someone passionate and open She has a desire to bring her heart to the stage and into the lyric and melody of the songs she writes and sings. With no further ado, let's meet Frankie Keene. Ladies and gentlemen, our special guest is a singer, songwriter, an actress of both stage and film, Frankie Keene. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I want you to take us back. If we could go into your house when you were growing up, and we could hear, just coming from a sound standpoint, what would we hear on a typical day? We had a family business, so everybody in my family worked. I mean, to get through some of the work, all of my siblings played instruments or sang. So my older sister would play the piano, and we'd play Name That Tune with all the books of music that we had while we were working. So she'd play the piano, and then the rest of us would be working and, and singing and, and playing Name That Tune. <laughs> so that that might be one thing you would hear uh, in my house growing up. So you come from a musical house. Oh, absolutely. My mother um, my mother's from Ireland, and she was a singer and an actress in Ireland. I mean, not, not for long before she uh, met my dad. And then they uh, wrote back and forth from America to Ireland for, I believe, four years. And then he went over and asked her to marry him. So in that interim, she was doing her acting on stage and singing and such. And my dad sings and my sister sings. And so we all kind of sing. Everybody, everybody sings or plays something in my house. What kind of music did you grow up loving the most, your favorites? You know, I grew up listening to Irish music a lot. And then, you know, what, whatever was playing on the radio was kind of what I was sequestered to listening to and until we, we got some, uh, some good TV and we were able to get American Bandstand and Soul Train. And when I heard Soul Train, 
But I'm like, oh my God, somebody understands what I hear in my head. <laughs> so every weekend Soul Train was on and that was that was like my holy grail. I lived for Soul Train. So that was my wheelhouse as far as hearing music that I could really identify with. What made you decide to pursue music as a life? As a life calling? Well, you know, it's, it's funny because I moved out of the house when I was 17 years old and had to work several jobs to support myself. And in doing so, I had met some musicians that were also, you know, older than I was, but working part-time jobs. And one of them had invited me down to her show. And I went down and there was nobody there yet, but there was books of music on the piano. And so I went up on the piano and I just started going through the music, which is actually, when you think about it, it's kind of rude. <laughs> but I started going through the, uh, the the music books on the piano. And this gentleman came up behind me and he goes, do you play? And I said, well, I don't play anything anyone wants here, but I sing. He goes, oh, really? And he's like, what are you sing? And I said, well, I know this song. So the next thing you know, I'm singing with him and his name was Vince Willis. And Vince is one of the best piano players I've ever worked with, and he actually happened to be with Motown. He was Richard Pryor's musical director. He played for pretty much everyone. And he took me into his little circle of close friends, and the next thing you know, I'm singing all over Chicago and, and having, you know, a lot of doors open for me because of him kind of going out on a limb for me and understanding where I was musically as far as what my passions were, and he really taught me a lot. So he's a mentor and a friend, and that's how it all kind of started. And then I started getting booked on this, that, and the other, and I joined another band, and we were opening up for the group Chicago and and Coco Taylor. I opened up for Isaac Hayes or Kelly. So it was really, really just a, a miracle, so to speak, that I ran into this guy because, you know, you kind of need someone to take you under their wing and, and take you around a bit, and that's what he did for me. So that's how it kind of started. When did you start to write songs yourself? Oh, I've been writing songs since I was, oh my God, since I was like 10. I still have, actually. It's funny, I have this big this big leather bag that has all of these these notebooks that I would have songs in. And I, and I go back to my early writing, and it's actually better than what I'm doing now because when I was younger, I looked at things I think closer, you know, you look at things a lot closer when you're younger of how the world is and how you perceive it. And it's less trite and it's more honest. So um, I started writing years ago and playing the piano years ago. And so I started writing my own songs when I was 10. So long time. What you just said was interesting about you said you felt like your earlier songs were more honest. Mm -hmm. What do you think happens? I think what happens is being in, in the music world and, you know, when I was younger, I really wanted to get a record deal. I mean, I still wouldn't be opposed to it, but the music business is so different now. But, you know, I really wanted a record deal. I really wanted to be recognized as unique artists. I really wanted, you know, I think everybody wants that when they're younger. And I was working with the people that could actually make it happen. And you start to listen to the homogenized music that was being played at the time. And you just kind of dummy your stuff down in order to feel like it's marketable. Whereas when you're younger, you write things from a more passionate place, and that's not on the forefront of what you want. You're just trying to be honest and get something that's good that represents what's going on in your head. Hmm. What artists would you say have influenced you the most? Oh, wow. There's so many. I mean, I grew up listening to Irish music of the Irish struggles and 
you know, my grandmother and all the Irish struggles she went through. And so, you know, you hear those, those songs of just horrible songs, actually, beautifully written and haunting. But so that I think is a core of, of a truth, so to speak. But then, you know, listening to Donnie Hathaway and Aretha Franklin and Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young and Creedence Clearwater, Bob Dylan, you know, here's, here's a story. Bob Dylan, I mean, listening to Bob Dylan as a kid and, and singing Bob Dylan, listen to the words. And, you know, there's times I think where I listen to songs that I knew all the lyrics to as a kid and could sing. But now that I'm older, I look at them obviously entirely different, understanding the point where he was coming from when he wrote stuff, but I actually had the enormous pleasure and honor to do a show with his wife, a musical, one of his wives, I shouldn't say his wife, his current wife, but in any event, it was eye-opening because her name is Carol Dennis. I put my hat on her lap, I'm like, tell me a story, Carol. Hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, I told her, I said, if I can call him Bob, Bob was such a huge influence of my writing when I was younger because I just found his writing to be so deep and obscure and to the point and so colorful and poetic and, you know, to get the real story behind some of the songs that he wrote from her perspective. And I felt, really? So it put him in a human plane, which I don't think a lot of people look at their musical idols as human. So I've been fortunate enough to have the come to Jesus moment where we're all human and we all have good thoughts, bad thoughts, and some of us write them better than others. So yeah, I mean, my musical influences are so diverse it's really hard to pinpoint, you know, the top five, but they're definitely artists who either sing from their soul and it comes out that way or artists that write from their soul and don't care if it rhymes and don't care, you know, what the outcome will be if it hits the radio. So I guess it's very eclectic as far as my taste and influences go. You have been a part of this musical. Well, you are a part of this musical hereafter, not only mm-hmm. as one of the writers, but also as Anita in Hereafter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was your first impression when you met Vinnie Favalli, your <laughs> collaborator? Okay, are you talking on the phone or in person? When you first met him, when, when you first looked eyeball to eyeball with him. Well, you know, we had spoken until our phones died on the phone, and, and how we met was even even funnier. But we had connected so much on the phone, and the irony was, is he's like, oh, well, what are you doing this weekend? So, well, I'm taking my dog down to um, down to the show, and my boyfriend and I are going to take her down to the beach, you know? And, and he goes, well, I'm right. I, where are you going? And I, and I forget the beach it was, but he goes, oh, I'm right there. I'm on the way. Stop by. And, you know, he goes, I don't normally do this, but drop by the house. So I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I think we will. And so we, we did, and get out of the car, and it was just kismet. It was like we'd known each other for years and we never did make it to the beach. My dog got along with his dog and we were there until the sun went down. And it was just like we'd known each other for our entire lives or maybe other lives. It was, it was really, um, really quite miraculous that you hit it off with someone and his wife and his son and his dog. And of course the neighbors were as tight with the neighbors as they are at this point. Definitely meant to be for sure. My first impression, he is gregarious, he is hilarious, he is generous, he is warm, he is insightful, he is funny, he is so many things that most people wish they had three of his traits, but he's got about 50, but you just go, he just keeps going. I mean, the the gifts keep on coming, you know, he's just a wonderful individual. He's not 
what you would expect as far as being a CBS vice president. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, 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 more than you know. And, you know, working with him, I help him with some of the concerts they do there. He's gracious enough to have me be an associate producer with him on those. And it's really, I think what's most fun is people perceive him in a certain way because he is, he's very quick-witted. He's, he's very good at his job. But when people see the musical, people that he works with, and they see the musical, they just scratch their head and they're like, huh, there are no words. Because it's hard to believe this guy you work with that's this funny, that has, has everything figured out, that has great ideas, and, and is the guy that's going to keep you laughing and have your back. Also has written a musical that touches on such sensitive subjects that you just go, this is the same person? So it is kind of fun to see people who have not seen it yet see it and then the people who have seen it they just have such a different appreciation for him that it is fun to watch it's 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 like peeling an onion you know you just he's got so many layers so yes he's not the guy he's not the executive when people think executive they think stuff sure to you know maybe on the weekends play golf or go on their boat and that's just not this guy at all is there a song in particular, from hereafter, that you would say resonates with you the most? Hmm. Well, my favorite song in the entire show, I mean, there's two, but Someday is my favorite song. And it resonates just because it does have a good message. You know, Someday, between heaven and earth, we'll all meet there. You know, I mean, when we lose somebody, we're all devastated. And, and you get the cards, you get the letters, you get people dropping by with casseroles and all of those things. And it and it's the busyness that keeps you from having to sit with your own pain for a while. And then when that all goes away, very little is comforting. And that song to me is very comforting because if you have any kind of faith whatsoever, I do anyway, I, I do believe I'm going to see everybody I've lost and every pet that I've lost, I'll be seeing them again. And so, you know, what what appears to be an eternity here is just a minute in the hereafter. And that's where someday to me gives me hope that I already had, but it's nice to be able to sing it and give hope to other people. What do you hope somebody gets out of the experience of seeing Hereafter, the musical? I hope that the people, when they see it, maybe get a little bit of a new lease on life where they know that they're not alone when they've lost somebody. Because we've all lost something or someone that was important to us. And it doesn't mean that your life needs to stop be out of honor for that person not being here anymore. It means that you need to continue living your life and leave your mark that they left on you. You still have to leave yours. You're still not done here. And so you still need to keep going. And this, I hope, gives people permission, knowing that your loved ones are still here. They're still around you. They may not physically be here, but their spirits are just as alive as they were when they were here. And to keep going, and that's what they would want you to do. So that's what I hope people get out of this. What is on the horizon for Frankie Keene? I am working on some of my own material, which has been put on the back burner for quite some time. And, and I have been helping some other people with their stuff. And Vinny and I have some other stuff that we're going to be working on soon. So between that and I'm working on a, on a couple of television ideas that have some interest. So there's a couple of things that I'm, you know, I've got my hand in a handful of things and trying to stay busy. Yeah, what's on the horizon? I guess it's whatever hits first. <laughs> but I would hope that hereafter is going to be on the horizon because it's 
I feel like it was a spirit writing. I really don't feel like I wrote it, even though I know I can pinpoint lines that, you know, I wrote and Vinny loved and vice versa. So I know I had something to do with it, but I really feel like it was something a little more divine coming through and saying, here you go. I hope that hereafter gets a much booted or needed boost of B12 and goes up a level as far as uh, reaching more people. So that's my hope. One thing that Vinny said in the interview we did was he said, I don't care so much if it goes to Broadway. I don't care if it plays at the most prestigious theaters. It doesn't matter to me. It could play at a high school. It could play at a college theater. I just want it to get out there. Is that yeah. kind of how you you feel about it? Yeah, I do. I mean, it, to me, I look at I look at it like this. I mean, I if if I were if I were a chemist and I came up with a cure for cancer, I wouldn't necessarily wait for Pfizer to pick it up if I knew I could be saving lives along the way. And I kind of look at this the same way, where I know that this show and I've seen it and I and I've had people speak to me after the show and even now people will shoot me notes regarding the show and their experience with it. So I know the effect it has. I know what it's done for people who have seen it. So I don't need it to be on Broadway. I don't need jazz hands to tell me that this show has affected people and it should be out there still. So yeah, if it's on a a high school stage and if it's at the Helen Hayes Theater, either way, people hopefully will be impacted. And that's the end result as far as I care, is that the end result is, that it makes it a little easier. Something that you said yesterday on email, I have to go into this. I just have to. Tell me oh, about no. Arlene Dahl. Oh, Arlene. Well, she is the apple of my eye every week. Arlene is amazing. She, I met her through a very good friend of mine. If I knew anyone who would be interested in working Arlene Dahl once a week for a foundation that she has. And I said, I would. She goes, you would? Aren't you too busy? I said, I would make the time because I just, yeah, I would. I love working with people who have a have a vision and are hardworking and are also as fabulous as she is. First off, she is beautiful inside and out. She is hilarious. She is a lady, but yet she can hold her own in any environment. She's a go-getter. She's smart. She's clever. She's generous. I just enjoy my time with her immensely. So everything you would want a star to be, every, every, you know, every graciousness you hope they would have, she has in spades. And I am just forever blessed that I have her in my life. Lovely. Very, very nice. It's, it's always nice to hear that. she is really, she is that person. She, she got on the phone with my dad for his birthday a couple of weeks ago, and he was, he was kind of gunstruck. He knew I worked with her, but I don't think he thought I'd ever pop him on the phone with her. So he, he was a, at, at a bit of a lost conversation, but then he became very chatty, and, and I, I was giving her the feel free to abort the phone call at any time <laughs> motion. She is just a sweet, sweet, sweet individual who's got... Well, she's working on a foundation right now, which she's been doing for quite some time, called the Broadway Walk of Stars. So if you go up on the BroadwayWalkOfStars.org, it tells you all about it. And it's such a great foundation, and I'm so happy to be working with her on it. And I would encourage your listeners to go to go check it out as well, because it is basically bringing the attention to the stars of Broadway 
everything from Tommy Poon to Liza Minnelli, people who really made, you know, Broadway what it is. Kind of like the Hollywood Walk of Fame, but here for Broadway. And it's so important because, you know, people come here to see a show and they're not coming because they want to go see the Niederlander Theater. They're going because they want to see the show and the stars that are in it. And it's nice to recognize the stars that have put their life out there for people to come see and and have, have worked very hard on their craft, and they should be awarded a star. So that is um, her foundation, and I think it's great. On this special day, what is mm-hmm. the best thing about being Frankie Keene? Oh, I would say the the most special thing that I have is my friends and family. I am so I'm so blessed with people in my life. I I can't even, I mean, I don't want for much. Well, I'm a girl. You know, we like makeup. We like pretty things. We like shiny things. But that all aside, I'm so lucky. I mean, the the phone calls and the texts and the social media outreach that's been coming through for my birthday. I mean, it's a birthday. You know, it comes once a year. And and the people that remember it and try and, you know, make it special, like my sister in Chicago, she, I had found some watches that I knew my brother-in-law, the buffs. And so I sent them, I sent him the link to check them out because they were on sale. And she, and he asked me, he's like, well, don't you want one of these watches? I said, no, they're, I knew you'd like them and, you know, so on and so forth. Well, I have a box sitting there last night and I opened it up and it's the classic version of the watch that I had sent him. I got from my birthday yesterday. It showed up yesterday. Of course, I had to open it. I wasn't going to wait till today. Then it's a $500 watch. Hmm. Now, I would not buy that for myself, but, you know, it was it was very touching, you know, that somebody would even think that way. So I'm just, I'm lucky. I'm lucky with the gifts God's given me that I've been able to utilize, and, and that makes me happy. I'm lucky with everyone in my life. I'm lucky with who I'm surrounded with. And, you know, all the critters that I have, I'm a big animal lover. So I'm lucky with the animals that I have in my life, too, so... I'm just pretty, well, listen, I mean, I hate to brag, but I'm just pretty lucky. (laughs) I'm lucky. I have great people in my life, so I cannot complain. What would you say to anyone who is listening to this interview, wherever they are, whoever they are, whenever they listen to it, however they happen to come upon it, totally open-ended, what would you say to them? Be grateful for the little things in life because... They're actually, I think, the biggest things in life, you know, getting a phone call from, you know, people, even yourself, getting a phone call from you that you're even interested, remotely interested in my life is fascinating to me. And it's very humbling and it's it's very special. And those things don't come around every day. You know, I love the people that are around you that love you. And, and, and tomorrow's not promised. So make sure that, you know, the people that you do love, that they know it because they may not be here tomorrow. So, I mean, if I were to say anything, I know it sounds a little downer, but I guess just appreciate where you are in your life because you're there for a reason and you're there to learn something or to teach someone something. And that wherever you are, you're not going to be there forever, be it good or bad. And take it for what it is and try and leave the best mark on the planet that you can. My last question, who is Frankie Keene? She's ever-evolving. She's speaking in third person, which is super obnoxious. It's going to hop into first person, but (laughs) I'm an artist who is constantly trying to improve my craft, to learn and to put that into my work to maybe influence other people in a good way and leave the planet and leave this world a better place than how I got here. That's, That's who I am. Thank you very much for sharing with us. 
I appreciate Thank you for it. having me. What a treat. What a great birthday treat. I'm going to blow out my cyber candle through this phone here for a lovely birthday phone call. This was awesome. And thank you for your time and your interest. It's really, really amazing. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Well, it was my pleasure. Times 10 to infinity and beyond. So there you go. I win. <laughs> okay, you win. <laughs> I hate to lose. That's, that's one thing about Frankie. She hates losing. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, thank you so much. I feel honored to be interviewed by you, especially with all of the amazing people you've interviewed in your past. My goodness. What a collection of stories you must have. It has been something. I bet. We're going to have to turn the tables on you and 